0: Joining us now on the line, it's our buddy Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast. Like all of our guests, Chris is brought to you by the Fox Bet app. Chris, where do you come down on this debate, buddy? Uh, individual hardware in any sport, right? MVP, coach of the year, all that stuff. How much does it really matter? Because I, I think that you know the, the point that the only thing that really matters are championships and trophies, I do agree with that. But do you also see the other side of what I'm arguing? That hey, this is a part of how we tell the, the history and the story of the leagues. This this stuff does matter.
1: Oh no, it does matter. I mean, we're talking about legacies here. You know, you like, for for as much as it is a team sport, there's sometimes that you can't you know you can't get acknowledged for that because you're just on a bad team. I mean, look at Dan Marino. <laughs> if if you took away all his individual accomplishments. Would he, you know, like, would, would, how much would people, could you just say, well, he wasn't the Super Bowl champion? Bye. He sucked. No, you you still have to acknowledge he's one of the greatest passers of our, of of his era of football and of all time in the NFL. Um, You know, I think, I think the the debate's going on right now with Russell Westbrook. I mean, that guy, he's one of the best scorers, right? Yep.
0: Yep. No, you got
1: to acknowledge that. And, and and he's played on some good teams. We've never gotten over the hump. And is that all his fault? I, I don't think so. But, that's why I think it, it does matter, but ultimately, when you're when you're measuring guys' legacies against each other, those team accomplishments they do. I think they to me yes. they they fact, they factor in heavily in the overall legacy. But like for example, like if Ed Reed had retired, I mean, when the, Ed Reed won his Super Bowl, right? He was not the same Ed Reed that he was for him, but he's Correct. still one of the greatest free safeties of all time.
0: Hmm. No, I, I like that analogy. I, I think that's well put. It is obviously is not the end all beat. But you know what, Chris? I, I really like that, that uh, Dan Marino example too, right? Because if Dan Marino had just one Super Bowl, Right? If he had won one Super Bowl, he would be without a doubt. Nobody would make a top five QB list uh, without having Dan Marino on it. But I think a lot of times now he does get off that list, even though that's the only thing that you can say to keep him from being on there is, oh, well, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Like, that's literally the only knock against the guy. I, I think that's a- an astute point by you. It's our buddy Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers podcast with us here on 970 ESPN. Chris, let's get into some Steelers here, buddy. Uh, let me ask you this. Kevin Colbert spoke last week about how this the Steelers were meeting, as they always do, and kind of discussing um, some of the names still out there available on the free agency market. You know, this second wave of free agency signings that we often see between now and the start of training camps. Do you see one of those coming for the Steelers? And if so, is it going to be at the cornerback position? How, how unsettled does the corner position feel to you now, right? In the absence of Mike Hilton, in the absence of Steven Nelson, uh, no high pedigree, you know, the Steelers waiting until the seventh round to, to draft a defensive back. Does it feel like there's a veteran free agent signing uh, coming at the corner position?
1: I, I feel like they, you know, they still need to make one now. Granted, they made one Friday in Arthur Mollett. I do think people are uh, might be overlooking this guy as a versatile defensive back because when you look at what he did for the Jets, he started 11 games in the last two years, and he did have two interceptions with like seven breakups for them. He's a guy who he played a lot of free safety, but mostly in the slot. So he's going to be a camp body who comes in, and he's going to be able to fight with Shakur Brown and – you know, if Trey Norwood gets in that mix, or if you know James Pierre, like those, it's going to be a battle for who gets the top slot cornerback option. But I, I also think it's not going to be as important for the for the slot cornerback to play like Mike Hilton in uh, in in the, in the way that he fits into the defense. And here's why: what because the Steelers, when Mike Hilton really found himself. He and then, and he, you know, he started playing in 2017, but he really, you know, Steelers fans were noticing him in 2018 and 2019. That's when they lost their only speed at the linebacker position for off-ball guys in the middle of the field. So Mike Hilton's speed and agility to to quick to cut and turn and run quickly and underneath and help against the run that was an asset in a time when the Steelers didn't have that answer. But now they've got Devin Bush and and I think Buddy Johnson is going to help in that area as well. Yep. So now you're in a position where you need more of your your slot corner to do more in coverage, and I think that and that was the one thing that Mike Hilton wasn't the best at when it came to man to man mirroring guys and, and you know and following them step for step and making them playable. The that's where he struggled. Now, he did really good in fitting in and using his instincts to play in zone coverage schemes, but I think they're going to be looking for a guy who's a cover first guy. Mullet is a guy who can. At least play in the slot and play deep and give you the versatility at two different spots. But what they really need to do is get a guy who I think is either a pure slot corner or is a definite first replacement you want off the bench starting on the outside. Because to me, Cameron Sutton is that guy on the outside. I think he's going to be better than people give him credit for. And it's not going to be some massive drop off from Steven Nelson. I just I think the biggest thing that they need is one, a guy that they're confident who can come in when Hayden or Sutton need a breather need a breather or get hurt. And they also need a solidified starter in the slot. Those are the two things now. You know, Brian Poole, I believe, is still out there unless he got signed in the yep. last couple of no, hours. No, he's still out there, uh, yep.
0: So
1: like he he's out there. Stephen Nelson's still out there. there. That's the funny part. Steven Nelson's still out there. Like yep. like you know, we as crazy as his departure was, Wes, like if he doesn't get the offers that he wants, does he go back and like? Nah. I, I think I think it's, I think that's gone at this point with the way that he left. But yeah. still, you I mean you still look at like people like Nickel Roby Coven or Gary Uncomely. There's guys who you could bring in and say, look, you're a veteran. You're, you're competing with all these undrafted guys and guys that we're hoping to, to get to, to step up. If none of those guys step up, you're going to get the role here. I, I think that's what's in store for the Steelers. But I also wouldn't put an edge rusher out of the out of play here hmm. for them because. Uh, they, still, Quincy Roche, as much as people are excited for him being a sixth round pick, you need a veteran presence out there behind TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith. I just think if you need a guy, and Cassius March is not it right now.
0: No, I, I agree with you on that. Certainly, um, a lot to keep an eye on in regards to rounding out this roster now as we are in that phase where you can maybe. Uh, nab some veteran guys for a little bit cheaper than they would have been a few months ago. Also doesn't affect your cap, uh, your compensation formula at this point. Pardon me. It's our buddy Chris Carter with us here on the Afternoon Delight. Chris, who starts at center in September when the games really matter, right? Is it going to be Finney? Is it going to be hour Or will it be the rookie, uh, Kendrick Green? When that first game right in September, and we'll find out who that is here in a couple days when the schedule is released on Wednesday, who's starting at center?
1: it won't be J.C. Osnauer unless something went terribly wrong. Like, <laughs> B.J. Finney would have to get really hurt and Kendrick Green would have to be really bad. For If J.C. Osnauer is starting at center, okay, that's a lot of problems. I I, I give it a 60-40 chance of it being Kendrick Green. I think that with, with his college tape, he's, he's very explosive. They're going to try and mold that. Now, Yes, he, people are like he has to adjust to being a center because he only played three or four games at center in college. Sure, that's fine, but also remember the footwork and the other like most parts of being the center outside of the communication parts. Those are the same from guard to, from right guard to left guard to center. Like there's there's, there's there's some adaptations, but they're not. It's not like switching from offensive tackle to guard. Like those there's different there's, there's the the things that are asked asked of you physically are often very much the same, you know, outside of snapping the ball. The, the, the big things will be communication-wise. To Tendra Green understand what the Steelers need to do and be the guy that calls out things and has that rapport with Ben Roethlisberger, that might be what B.J. Finney, win, you know, wins the job with. Because hmm. um, I also remind people, B.J. Finney, you know, he didn't get to play much last year because the pandemic struck and he was supposed to go to Seattle because that was the hotbed, and he opted to stay home for a bit. He came When he did go to Seattle, he was overweight. That kind of set him back in their training camp, and then he was traded away to the Bengals who didn't even want to use him. So B.J. Finney was in a peculiar situation last year. I'd give him the grace of saying, hey, you know what? You you might still be able to be the B.J. Finney that started 13 games for the Steelers over a span of four years, and oh, by the way, they went 11-2 and in hmm. those games that he started. So B.J. Finney I would not count in the, in the slightest, but I really think Kendrick Green might be, be closer to what they want in the run game, and that might be what puts him over. If he, can just, if he can come in and assert himself, and what when I talked to Adrian Clem, he talked, this guy's an alpha, this guy's a leader, this guy, he has a presence when he walks in the room that he, he wants to own it. I think that they, if that's the guy that they're getting, there's a, I think that there's a good, a decent chance. I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a definite thing, but a decent chance that you see Kendrick Green starting to center day one.
0: Oh boy, that'll certainly be one of the interesting storylines to follow with this team when we uh when we get to training camp in the end of July and obviously through the preseason. Chris, I You know, you know this. We're we're both similar in this regard. I mean, we're nerds. You know, I mean that in a good way. But you know, we're sports nerds. We're pop culture nerds. Um, This morning, in lieu of right, because normally I I rewatch Penguins games, but the Penguins played on Saturday. I rewatched that game on Sunday. I I had no Penguins game to rewatch this morning, so I was flipping through on YouTube, watching some Najee Harris uh, highlight packages, and I noticed something that I want to run by you real quick. Okay, Um, sure. He's he's obviously was a freak during his time playing high school football in California, three-year starter as the mm-hmm. Bell Cal at Alabama. Chris, Isn't... I've I've noticed he's got a a habit, Najee Harris does, of hurtling dudes. <laughs> you go back and watch, <laughs> you go back and watch his high school tape, you go back and watch his college tape. He likes to hurdle dudes, man. I mean, as soon as he sees somebody put their head down, get too low, he'll jump right over him, and he's had a ton of success doing that. But, Chris, it got me to thinking is, is that was kind of something that stuck out to me as I was watching some different highlight packages this morning. Is that OK to have that mentality in the NFL? Or is maybe that something that, um, that you know, Eddie Faulkner, that Mike Tomlin, that Matt Canada uh, want to nip in the bud like, hey, Najee, that worked when you were playing against other teenagers. But this is grown men out here. Let's let's maybe not try and hurdle over everybody.
1: Yeah, hurdling everybody is going to be is going to be the issue, and I was because one of the things that you like, hey running back, don't leave your feet because right. that is, that right. is one, just one asking for an injury. Exactly, and, and and with how important Najee Harris is going to be to the Steelers' offense, I do think they're going to be like Najee. We know you can clear that guy, and he's six foot one, but on the off chance, or not even really the off chance, that he might reach up and react a little bit quicker than the guys that you were doing doing that to at Notre Dame in the <laughs> college football uh, let's let's try to find other ways to get around it. Now, again, you know, there's going to be guys who, you feel you, who, who feel like they can do that and, and are going to get that liberty. Saquon Barkley did that last year. Argu- uh, funny enough, though, not funny, but, you know, ironically enough, he was injured right. for the season. That right. wasn't, it wasn't because of his hurdle, but you see how important he is to the Giants. So, to me, I think that they're going to say, hey, limit that a little bit, but it's going to be something in his arsenal that they're going to absolutely – you, they're gonna say if he's on fire, if he's feeling it, and if it's a huge moment in the game, that's different. But yeah, not every single play. And, I, and that's the other thing. Like he does it a lot. I think it's going to be limited unless it's like, hey, it's goal line time, it's game time. You just need to find a way to get into the end zone, and that's that. But yeah, like when it's when it's second and six, and the ball, and it's the first quarter, and you know the Steelers. Are, yeah, it's like maybe maybe don't hurdle that guy. <laughs> you just you know, run through him, spin around, and juke him, do something.
0: Yeah, stay stay on your feet, young man. I think that's the, uh, the the directive there. Chris Carter with us here on ESPN Pittsburgh, he of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast. Chris, which rookie quarterback has the best chance of starting a playoff game this season? Trevor Lawrence with the Jags, Zach Wilson with the Jets, Trey Lance with the Niners, Justin Fields with the Bears, or Mac Jones with the New England Patriots. If I told you that one of those guys is going to start a playoff game uh, this winter, who would you say has the best chance to uh, you know to, to get off uh, to a successful start here in their rookie campaign? Mm,
1: I'd say Trey Lance because, one, we look at the, the Niners, they still have a – decent roster of talent that defense is just yeah, beat up. They, they really do, yeah. Right. So it's like, I can't count that out. But I also think Justin Fields going to Chicago is going to be a really good thing for that organization that they haven't had in a long time, and uh, maybe ever, with really a top-tier quarterback. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. When I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, uh, wow, yeah. We Literally, in my entire life, they've never had a top-tier quarterback. Uh, you know, Jake Cutler was the closest thing they had to that. Um, hey, respect but, Rex but, Grossman, Chris, okay? Oh, geez. Yeah, okay. You see what you just said there? you direct you, you, Rex Grossman's me. You're Rex me, people. But, but no, but in all seriously. Justin Fields, the thing is with the NFC North, and the only reason I say this is because the NFC North is, is a big question mark right now. Yes, it don't is. don't know what's happening with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers might be on the outs. The Minnesota Vikings, who knows what they do every year. The Lions are the Lions. So I could see, I could see with there being seven teams in the playoffs now, the Bears sneaking their way in, whether it be a wild card or kind of like how uh, Washington snuck into the playoffs this year uh, with, you know, winning the NFC East, that was horrible. So, and that, this is all predicated if Aaron Rodgers, the fiasco continues. If he comes back, well, that you, I think you're going to count right, that out. Right. But, um, but, yeah, I would say Trey Lance, Justin Fields the two guys. As much as I like Trevor Lawrence, the Jaguars just got way too much to work on right now. Um, and the AFC is full lot of talent. I, I see. I don't see them him turning them around this year. Um, Zach Wilson, good luck with the Jets,
0: man. Good, I know it's Robert Good Tyler luck, now, young but, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, and, hey, Robert Talbot might turn them around sooner rather than later, but I just I don't see that turnaround happening that fast. with yeah. all the problems that, that that organization had, and then Matt Jones,
0: <sighs> he might not even be the guy. He might be sitting behind Cam.
1: Yeah, I mean Belichick kind of made that kind of clear. It was like, yeah, like yeah, Cam's still the guy. And I was like, okay, so. I you, so yeah, if I was going with two, it's Trey and it's Justin.
0: I think that would be my same one. I would I would put I would put Trey Lance one A because everything that you mentioned about the Niners, you know, having um, a a solid roster there in place as long as they can stay healthy, which they were just bitten by the injury bug massively last year. And then Justin Fields, yeah. obviously. I mean, the Bears made the playoffs last season. If Fields can you know kind of hit the ground running here, they'll have a, another good chance to do so again. Chris, last one I've got for you, buddy. Um, anybody who's listened to, to, to me, anyone who's followed you, they know this, but you know, I I said a few minutes ago that we were sports nerds and sports geeks. Uh, Another thing that we are, Chris, is you and I both, uh, when it comes to our universities, we kind of wear our emotions, wear our hearts on our sleeves, right? We're we're very, (laughs) we're very emotionally invested. Um, anyone who's listened to us, you know, we, we make the pit and the WVU jokes, but, but we both know just how much it means to us i joke here on the show a lot during college football and basketball season that my greatest flaw in life is how much my happiness hinges on the performance of wvu like it's just it's just ridiculous how much my happiness hinges on saturdays or whenever bob huggins and the boys have a game in the evening during the winter chris i just i got to i got to gauge where you're at last 24 hours um I guess disappointing, maybe the, the the word, or tough for for pit basketball. Um, first, uh, Efton Reed decides to go with LSU yesterday, and then today the news that Justin Champagne, uh will be staying in the NBA draft, will not be returning to school. I just got to kind of, you know, like I said, what's your pulse of where the program is right now, everything on Jeff Capel as a guy who... You know, you don't just cover pit hoops for DK Pittsburgh Sports. You are, like I said, a fan. I mean, you wear your heart, your emotions on your sleeve when it comes to pit, <laughs> just like I do with WVU. So, like, I'm legitimately, I'm not trying to troll here. I want to know, like, as a as, you know, as a hardcore pit basketball guy, just how you're feeling after the last twenty four hours, and and kind of what your outlook is for the program now.
1: Oh, I do my Stephen A. impression where I say, "This is bad. This is very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I am having a very bad day." I am having a very bad day. Yeah, it's, it's like it's it this is uh, but hey, I mean, pit fans, y'all know what gut punches feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's it's pain, man. It, it, I, I I see the frustration by a lot of pit fans online, and I get it. I mean, this is a program that you know, for, for most of my adolescence and then through like my earn by my late teens and early 20s, they were competitive, yeah. they were a basketball program that 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 fought, and even if they didn't get the W, even if they didn't go for like they, they had one elite eight appearance. You know, but but you can at least say like, you know what? Those guys are scrappy. Those guys will go out and give you a good showing in a tough year. And it's like, all right, well, we're proud of those guys. And not that some of these guys weren't scrappy, but it's just like, man, after and I give Jeff Capel a ton of grace with the situation that he's, inher- that he's inherited. One, yeah, that basketball was in the worst state of the, that it's ever been under Kevin Stallings. You know, that's that. You know, I, I've done a ton of writing on DKPittsburghSports.com about how historically bad it was that he inherited, and then you have to deal with. The pandemic ruining what was what his third year, uh, you know, coming in and saying like basically all this freshman class it was supposed to be really good in 2020. He couldn't even really get his hands on them until like mid summer or late summer. Um, so you know that slowed things down. Guys are having to work out in their own basically hometowns, um, and then uh, in the, and then this, and by his third year, you have the transfer boom that has happened in NCAA, yep. where I believe it's getting close to 1,600. Yeah, players it's insane. Have, it's
0: absolutely insane. Yeah.
1: It, in it's insane. So I, I give Jeff Capel a ton of grace with that, but I do think his last straw is the twenty twenty recruiting class. They got Femi with they um, they got they got William Jeffers. We'll see what happens with John Hugley and you know his his, his federal charges. Um, you know and, and Noah Collier, you know, those those guys look interesting and then you still got like Nike Sabande and Ithiel Horton yep. guys who uh, who transferred in. But if if he's not able to get something out of this freshman class from last year and 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 let them be the building blocks to get Pitt back to relevance, I think that would be the end of Jet Cable. But I I, just, I still don't I still don't you know I still don't want to bury him for dealing with these impossible situations that have never befallen yeah. college basketball in all my watching of it and following of it and studying it. So I, I give him that, but you can't ignore that this is just. That's, that's two huge gut punches where Efton Reed, the, the pit was pit was in, in front or in favored to, to be the team that landed him or the program that got him, you know, and supposedly Jeff Capel put in like years of, of building that relationship to see that, it, that he could make it work and get pit finally its first real center since real, what, what Steven Adams would be the, first, yeah, the last yeah. guy to be, who'd be a superstar with that position. So, um you know, it, it, Pitt, Pitt, gets, you know, Pitt has, to do, has to go through a lot of that right now. And now for the day after that, going to be the day that Justin Champagne, the first ever Pitt Panther to be named first team all ACC, for him to go to the NBA draft. And congrats to him. Great for him and great for Epstein for, for choosing wherever he wanted to go um, um, and, and handle his process. And congrats to Justin for, for being confident enough to go to the NBA draft. But it just it leaves the roster barren. Four of five starters are gone. Yeah. large majority of scoring is gone. they're they're doing a ton of rebuilding in the middle of what was already a ton of rebuilding. So it's a lot of pain, a lot of suffering for Pitt fans.